Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. You're listening to An Amber A Day, the Functional Nutrition Podcast. And I am your host, Amber Fisher, and today I'm here with Dora Toma, who runs a, who is a fertility coach through the Institute for Functional Medicine, correct? Yeah, uh, official uh, title is uh, Functional Medicine Certified Health Coach, and I'm also a fertility uh, coach or expert, we'll call it. Awesome. Great. Well, I'm very excited to have you here. Dora and I have been, um, you know, making friends over Instagram for a few months now. So it's like really exciting for both of us to actually get to talk to each other and see each other's faces and stuff. So, um, so Dora has an interesting story because she has dealt with PCOS and, um, kind of come out the other end of things, able to work on her fertility and all of that. So we want to talk a bit about that today. So Dora, why don't you start us off, tell us a little bit about you and your story. Of course. When first of all, I just wanted to thank you for giving me this opportunity and uh, friending, <laughs> being my friend on Instagram. Um, oh. I, I just love um, you know this social media because it can connect like-minded people um, from different areas of the world, of the country, of the even the state, and so on. So um, it doesn't feel so isolated. I you know I have to be honest. In my circle of friends, I don't have as many like-minded people, even in family. So um, um, obviously I know that I'm not the only one like that, um, but it's great to connect and uh, be, you know, supporting each other and cheering each other and asking questions. So yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me here. Of course. I'm happy that you're here. Yeah. And uh, just to answer your question. Yes. uh, I am, I've been diagnosed with PCOS not too long ago, to be honest. Um, I've always have, I always had um, irregular periods, but it was nothing outside the normal. Um, you know, the obvious weight gain, but it wasn't, it wasn't like nothing kind of like coming out, like boom, it's really a problem. It was just kind of like something lingering. Always had a little bit extra weight, but not too much. Uh, it was just kind of like the puffiness. Um, you know, the, sometimes have, I had some, uh, acne, just, you know, just the little tiny things. And, um, yeah. And when I was diagnosed, it was 2016 and that was the kind of like the peak of, uh, or the dip, I would call it of my health. Um, because I was having, I, that year I had five periods an entire year. Uh, and it was, I would have uh, a a period every 150 days. Um, I was thinking initially, I was thinking to, that I wanted to prepare my body to get pregnant at one point. And I started working out and I was, my mind back then, I was uh, thinking that, well, in order to be able to avoid too much weight gain, because that was the biggest fear for me. Uh, in pregnancy um, is to start working out, keeping myself fit and, you know, working on my diet, eating better and so on and so forth. Like any other woman thinks, you know, their twenties, that what they want to do and how they're envisioning their pregnancy, fertility and so on. So I jumped into that and started working with um, a nutritionist uh, and uh, and a personal trainer, actually, she was, and she was working on the diet too. And I was having issues, and you know, period was not coming. And I was telling you, well, taking pictures, you know, those type of the the traditional, you know, um, uh, personal trainer, like taking pictures on a weekly basis and everything. And at one point, I got to um, a very low weight for me, for my body, uh, by body composition, I looked great. I was ripped, right? 
but I felt like crap. I was, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain, but that was definitely not how I felt inside. I looked amazing. Even now I'm looking at pictures. I'm like, wow, I was so hot. <laughs> but <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. But in, inside my body was crying, was screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, and I was telling my, uh, my personal trainer, well, you know, I'm like this, I cannot get rid of this pouch, this, you know, look, I look like I'm six months pregnant or, you know, or five months pregnant. And she was like, well, let me, let me talk with somebody. And um, lo and behold, she had a colleague who was doing somewhat similar um, work or they started working there. They were colleagues and he was a functional medicine practitioner as well, functional medicine nutritionist. And she introduced me to him and he was like, well, first we got to do a SIBO test. Um, back then it was kind of like the beginning of it. So we jumped on it. Obviously my numbers were through the roof and we started looking at it and started working with him because um, I lived with chronic constipation for a long period of time. And my personal doctor said, Oh, it, you just need to eat more fiber and drink more water. And if not, then I'll get, put you on, um, uh, on a lifetime medication. Uh, I just didn't like it. I, 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 that threw me off. So yeah, and I was like, wow, finally, somebody believes me and thinks that I, there's something wrong with me. So I started working on that. It took a long time. But the first thing that came back was my period. And and it started to get better and better. And I was just excited because I before that, I didn't know anything. I I kind of felt and had a have a very strong intuition. So I felt that this is not kind of like early menopause, uh, but it, I was still like, it's still not normal. It's still not normal to have a period every 150 days. Um, I just, again, I didn't know the repercussions of endometrial cancer of any, uh, like all the other things that, you know, all your listeners know from your own story uh, and from uh, your practice. But I just, as the more I started working with this practitioner, the more I learned all the things that, you know, the good and the bad and how I can improve that. And I can improve it with diet and lifestyle. And lo and behold, it took about a year and something to like really put my body into the best shape. And in uh, about, well, I'm trying to remember like that, the timeline <laughs> somewhere uh, yes in 2018 um so it took about an year and something 2018 uh, about april i got pregnant so excited super i was like yes and it was they really didn't have any issues with, con- uh, with conception but things kind of were kind of wonky and i had bleeding throughout after 10 weeks pregnancy um I had a, I've always wanted to have a natural uh, birth and I just try, was trying from my past experience with my health. I was like, I just don't want to go to a doctor unless I really need to. So I went under uh, midwife, midwifery care. So long story, long story short, I was able to carry the pregnancy until 23 weeks. Unfortunately at 23 weeks, it just, everything that I was, that I haven't worked on enough they kind of backfired and um, I lost the pregnancy at 23 weeks. I went to premature labor and um, I lost a child. Um, oh. It obviously I had to go to the hospital. <laughs> so the, the doctors didn't, um, they still had to come into my life. Um, but um, yeah. And from that point, because un- until then I started learning um, about functional medicine, about how to improve my health, how to help others. And um, also while I was working with that practitioner before, the more I learned, the more I felt like I need to share this with other people. I need to help other people understand that feeling bloated, feeling like a balloon or looking like you're five months pregnant, it's not normal. Or not having a bowel movement every day, it's not normal because that's where I started. And then also the hormones and PCOS and everything. So I was like, but once I had this experience with a loss, I was like, this is much 
this is bigger. Um, mm -hmm. This has to be for sure. And I mean, the, the, because I had so much knowledge from before, from, from previous experience, but when I got there into the hospital and I felt so, so alone, unsupported by doctors, by anybody, nobody. And throughout the, this hiccup between 10 weeks and 23 weeks, nobody was able to give me some answers, some direction into like specific and kind of tell me, okay, we have to look at your lifestyle. What are you doing? How are you working? Are you stressed? Are you putting too much pressure on yourself? And even mentally or physically, it's not just um, that. And nobody came with that solution. They were like, oh, you just, you know, just rest a little bit. Maybe not, you know, if, if things are getting worse, you're going to have to be good, go on bed rest. You know, that type of approach, that didn't work for me. Uh, and so, like I said, when I was in that bed, um, in that hospital bed after everything uh, happened, I was like, I need to learn more. First of all, um, just get as much information for myself to get back on my feet. Also get pregnant again, <laughs> hopefully, um, and then have a healthy baby and then help other women. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. You know, I it, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that so if everybody my story, now have a baby. I did that work. I did that, and it wasn't easy. It was definitely wasn't easy. Uh, but now I have a twenty months old, and she is just a pure joy. So I wanted to interrupt the podcast really quickly to let you know some exciting news. Uh, if you've enjoyed this conversation with Dora, then you will be pleased to know that I have actually incorporated her into my practice and we are joining forces. So I've always wanted to have the ability to give my clients a bit more support, a bit more coaching than I'm really able to do. And Dora really fills that um, need really well, along with, you know, continuing support from my right hand lady, Linnea, who is still around and still um, helping us out with um, messaging and coaching in that department. So we've got a great team of three now. I'm very excited about it. And anyone who starts um, new programs with me as of May of this year will have the chance to work with myself and Dora. So we have three different programs. We've got a three-month program, a six-month program, and a six-month-plus program. So we feel like it really covers all of the different potential needs uh, that clients might have. And whether you're new to this work or you've been doing it for a while, I'm really excited about it. I've been in practice now for seven years, and I've learned a lot about what works best and what types of programs clients tend to do well on what they really need. So I'm very excited that we now have all this in place. The way it works to work one-on-one -on -one with me is that I enroll a very limited number of clients each month um, at the beginning of the month. And so we have just a few spots. I don't work with very many people. And if you are interested in any of this, you can find all the details on my website. I will link to it in the show notes. Um, but basically you, if you decide you want to work with us, you kind of apply for a position. And if you're accepted, then you either book your initial appointment to kind of get a intake going. Or, um, if there are no initial appointments left, you'll be placed on a waiting list after the initial appointment. Uh, you are 
you're given time to decide if it's right for you. So it's not a pressure thing. I, I never pressure clients and visits to, you know, move forward or anything. I really want you to um, want to work with me and to feel like this is the best choice for you. So you'll have some time to decide if it's right for you after meeting me. Um, and so uh, even if you're put on the wait list, you know, from time to time, people who did have initial appointments decide not to move forward. And so a spot may still open up. So um, I encourage you, it, we're going to give out spots on a first come first serve basis. And um, no matter what program you decide that you want to do. So please reach out as soon as you can. If you know you want to work together, I hope that some of you who are listening will be future clients and uh, get to take advantage of this great team that I've created. I'm really, really excited about it. But back to the podcast. I feel like it's so important to talk about these things because so often, you know, even in my work, we will talk about PCOS as this issue getting pregnant, right? Like you're not ovulating regularly, so it's harder to get pregnant. And, you know, let's think about all the things we can do to get you to where you're able to get pregnant. But what we often fail to kind of like follow through on in our thinking process. And I know I did this, um, is thinking about the fact that with PCOS comes certain risks when you are pregnant. Um, you know, we are at higher risk of miscarriage. We're at higher risk of stillbirth. We're at higher risk of premature birth. I myself had my son at 30 weeks. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, and he was in the NICU for a long time and I was totally unprepared for that. And I, you know, nothing compares to losing a child and losing a child at 23 weeks. Oh, that's got to be one of the hardest things that anyone could ever go through. So I feel so much for you on that. But just from my little experience that I had of, you know, being in the hospital, having my son way too early, not knowing what was going to happen and if he was going to be able to be healthy. Um, and that feeling of just being so alone and like, nobody saw it coming, even though I felt throughout my pregnancy, because I also dealt with bleeding and things during my pregnancy. I, I, I felt that something was wrong, but nobody was kind of like, I don't know. It's it just, they, they're, I, I feel that sometimes the conventional medical care that pregnant women get is so dismissive and so much like, um, you know, if you complain or you say, Hey, I don't feel good, or I don't think something's right. They're kind of like, Oh, you're just pregnant. You know, they placate you or they sort of, um, treat you like almost like, um, pa they patronize you. They, they treat you like you're a little kid, you know, and you can't make decisions for yourself or you're crazy or something. You're hysterical. And, um, I felt that acutely while I was pregnant because, you know, outside of pregnancy, uh, people would treat me a certain way. You know, I'm a highly educated like individual. So people sometimes, you know, they treat me with respect. When I was pregnant, I felt like a lot of that respect went out the window and suddenly no one would listen to me. And it was so frustrating. So I think it's so important to talk about the fact that when you have PCOS, you can't just focus on getting pregnant. It's so important too, for us to know that Whatever we do to help ourselves, whatever we do to make ourselves more healthy in that preconception phase, that carries into, you know, later on and, and things are going to happen. And, you know, it's not like for anyone who's listening, it's not your fault. If you have a miscarriage, it's not your fault. If you have a stillbirth, like um, absolutely not your fault. But I do think that it helps. It helped me. And I know that it helps a lot of my clients to feel like they've done everything that they can to make sure that they're going to be healthy throughout their pregnancy. And then not just that, but then after they have the baby, because if you're getting pregnant while you're already depleted, then, you know, I mean, the baby's going to take what it needs, you know? So at the end of your pregnancy, you can come out of that. And I certainly came out of the other end of my pregnancy feeling like totally drained and just like... I had used up all my reserves of nutrients, you know, so Correct. it's so important to look at the full cycle of these things. Yeah. So and, and I also like to be, because of my personal experience, because of my own personal story is also the, you know, putting, organizing the thoughts, organizing the life, organizing in even kind of befriending with stress and handling well the stress and not because now I'm looking at what was 
that preg- first pregnancy, how I had my second pregnancy. I mean, first of all, I had, I was in a, um, during the first pregnancy, I was in a um, very unliked <laughs> job. I, I was in a job that I just hated so much. And I knew, and I actually discussed that with my practitioner, that that was kind of one heavy cause of my personal health uh, conditions. But I just couldn't give up because of money, career, right? And it just kind of, sometimes we feel like there is nothing out there because it's a good job, right? But I cannot handle it with it. And it's it's that conflicting fear, uh, and it's obviously when you're in a, a when you're in a relationship, you also have to com- confront with the other person, right? You cannot make a decision like I'm going to quit today. So, <laughs> uh, and back, back then, I was like, I'm going to stay with this my mind, my plan, because I'm a planner. So my plan was like, I'm going to stay with us on this pregnancy. I'm going to hold on this job until I give birth. I want to benefit from that damn um short term disability that i've already contributed to and right. then i'll peace out um and nobody will you know i'll just keep holding on and I'm, i can tell you stories i was i was working from home luckily uh but i was having so much pain i could not sit on the chair for an hour so i had to stay on the chair be on the phone da, 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 da. so i was doing a sales job uh and then i would have to lay down on the floor i could not stay and i was laying down on the floor for 20 minutes to recover and then i go back and it was just it, you know why i'm talk- back then i was just like i need to go i need to go i need to go and this kind of taxing my adrenals and um and i knew that but I was like, I gotta, I gotta do this. I, I felt like I felt. So in my perception, it was that I have to do this because there is no other choice. Mm-hmm. If I would have had a coach in my life and tell me, you do have a choice. Priorities, baby, right? Uh, yes. So you know, it's either the baby or the, or that. And then I was going to the gym, and I was like. I, I obviously there were you know I was in a, in a big gym you know those uh, popular gyms and there were also other women pregnant they were you know uh, pulling and pushing and doing like very heavy as a normal woman or person does and I was like oh I'm gonna do the same because I have I have a history of working out so I my body was technically used to all that but it was already drained. And I just didn't want to accept that. I knew it, but I was not able to accept it. I was not ready to accept it. So uh, technically, in my mind, I was not ready for a lot of things. And mm-hmm. kind of scaled down to the that, um, that result. And again, it's not my fault. I don't want, I'm not blaming myself. But I think it's, um, you know, what the universe kind of, it was my lesson. It was, you know, uh, I, I try not to um, also say that a child is mine. It's not mine. Not, I don't have anything mine. It's, it's everything. It, we are everything. And we are part of this world, this universe, you know, to God or whoever, whatever you want to call it. But we don't own each other. So uh, that child was basically part of my lesson, my journey, my life's journey in order to learn what I have to accept. So after everything that happened in a job, my job I had to quit. <laughs> I'm just over here, like nodding my head, like as much as I can nod it, because I can just relate so much to that path. And, you know, I, I've always said this and I don't like to place my own, like, like you said, we don't own anybody. So I don't like to place my own journey and my own lessons onto other people's journey because everyone has their own path. Right. But for me, 
what I've gone through with infertility and PCOS and cancer and all of those things, those were all lessons for me and I needed to go through them and I needed to learn the lesson. Um, and that was the best way to teach me that lesson. And I'm, I'm grateful for those experiences because I would not be the person that I am. I wouldn't be the healer that I am without having gone through all that stuff. So I really believe that a lot of people who are in healing professions, we do go through our own health struggles because it's like the only way to make it clear to you, Hey, like you have a gift and you need to use it to help other people. You know, if I hadn't gone through that stuff, I mean, I don't think I would ever, first of all, have become a nutritionist, but even if I had, like, I would be a much different nutritionist than I am now. I probably would be very, like, very blamey. Like, you know how some people can be <laughs> blaming other people for their, you know, oh, you know, you, you have PCOS because you're, because you're overweight or whatever, you know, but that's not what it is because I've been through it. I can relate to that. And the other thing that you said that just really like rung true for me was that kind of lesson of like needing to, um, make choices that prioritize your own, um, your own healing and your own like stress relief. And I very similar to you have always been somebody who pushes and pushes and kind of pushes myself to the limit and, um, don't listen to my body It can, can be disconnected from my body and what it needs because I can be so cerebral. Um, and the experience of pregnancy and I, I was, I did have to do bed rest throughout my pregnancy as well, because I tried to do the, like, you know, exercising like everybody else seems to do. I wanted to do prenatal yoga and Anytime that I would have prenatal, I would do prenatal yoga, I'd start bleeding. So it was like, okay, no, I can't do any activity. Um, so that experience of just being like completely bedridden throughout my pregnancy was such like a, um, such like a push from the universe to be like, okay, like you're not going to listen about, you know, sitting still, we're going to, we're going to make you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, I still look back on that experience. Pregnancy was really hard for me. I did not have a good pregnancy. I didn't feel good. Um, I never wanted to do it again. After I had my son, I was like, I'm done. Um, but I learned a lot during that. And I learned how to meditate <laughs> from that experience because I had to sit still for so long. So, you know, it, it, it really was a gift in a lot of ways. I, but yeah. I I think it's also because I read a lot about PCOS. I mean, first of all, like I said, for my own understanding, why, you know, kind of like why me, where is it coming from? You know, is there something because I have that kind of detective kind of mentality? Like, I just uh -huh. want to know. I just let why? me do, do a little bit more digging. Let me do a little bit. Let me find out yeah. a little bit more. Um, Same. And yeah, <laughs> I think that's kind of the nature in, in us. Like, uh, I have to get to the bottom of this. Like, exactly. what is going on here? But I think it, it is very specific. I don't want to say specific, but it's common for women with PCOS to be also type A personalities. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's not the only thing. There are so many other causes, let's call it like that, or um, predispositions. but there's also this part because we can put our adrenals to the limit, like to be on top. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that's where we kind of started getting to our conversation because you were, uh, doing some adrenal, um, series and I was like, Oh my God, that, that was me. <laughs> that was so um, yeah. yeah. And I was like, my adrenals were on, on the top when I started working with in 2016, my adrenals were on fumes. And to me, it felt like in the morning, I usually would wake up not heart racing, but like, like, Oh my God, I gotta do things. I gotta do things. Like, let me, I was like nonstop and I will not never drink coffee. I don't never like coffee. I would in the morning, actually, when I used to work in the office before I would work from home, uh, I would make a chamomile tea and people will be like, you're going to fall asleep. No, I feel like I need to 
drink some ca- chamomile tea. That's just, I don't need more energy right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, and when I saw it on paper, I was like, oh, so it's not a good thing to be like, a, a, like a robot or a bunny rabbit. Like, mm-hmm. so I yeah, I used to wake up like. I never needed an alarm. I would just wake up on my own at like 6 a.m. My heart would be racing and I would just be like thinking about all the things I needed to do and feeling anxious, really anxious mm-hmm. every day. I was, and I couldn't like, you know, I would see people like my husband, even he, he, it takes him a while to get up in the morning and a while to like, you know, kind of get just get going and he could relax in bed in the morning. And I'm like, no, 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 we have to get up. We have to go. Like, what are we doing today? Even on a, even on a Saturday, I'd be like, are we going to home Depot? Like, let's go, you know? So, um, and I thought (laughs) I'm the same way. Like I never, I never drank coffee or caffeine or anything. And I just thought like, oh, I'm just, am I better than everyone else? No, you know, that TikTok. Um, <laughs> because like, I didn't need coffee. I was so energetic, but you know that, and for anyone listening that what that is, is that's a sign of the, an excessive cortisol awakening response. So in the morning, your cortisol is supposed to get high, um, higher than the rest of the day, not excessively high, but it's supposed to happen like closer to between eight and 10 AM. And so if you are waking up and already feeling anxious and like very energetic um, and wired, that's a sign that your cortisol is really high in the morning. And that can be one of the first stages of adrenal dysfunction. Some, some people get the thing where they have trouble falling asleep at night. Um, but some of us get it in the morning. And I think that's harder to catch because, you know, if you're sleeping, okay, you feel like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just an early riser. Um, we don't tend to think of that as being a bad thing culturally. Yeah. So. I mean, to me, for me, the way that I would, I was able to explain is just the moment I would wait, turn, I would open my eyes, I would jump off the bed. I, I would literally jump out of the bed and run to the bathroom, do the, do all the things like like that. And for a long time, for a co- good couple of years, um, my husband, he's pretty much the same. He's an early riser, so we wake up in the, at five a.m. would do our thing quickly, have some breakfast and go to the gym and do our things because at eight o'clock we had to go, he had to go work and I had to start working. Um, and it was just like, bam, bam, bam. When I would work in the office, I would wake up at 4 a.m. because I had a long commute, uh, about 30 miles. So I was, I'm going to go to the gym before I work and I'm going to go to the gym next to the next to work. So go there and work out for an hour and then do all the workouts then shower. I had a long hair. Now I have like pretty shortish it's growing, but I had a long hair, blow dry it, put on, you know, dull myself up and then run to the work, run to work, do the work. And once a week, I would also have an extra workout because on my job had benefits of, you know, bringing um, a trainer into our office. I would do some kickboxing and it was just, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about PCOS too. And like you, you mentioned, and I would definitely want to talk about this is that you are not, you are not wrong to say that the, a lot of women with PCOS are type A. I mean, I absolutely see that to be true. My clients, like in general, do tend to be type A or eldest children, um, you know, or or there's a lot of times there's a connection, a connection to childhood trauma, to sexual abuse. Like there are different iterations, but all of these things kind of cause this same problem, which is, um, this need to this feeling like you have to constantly be achieving. You have to constantly be putting in effort or else you're lazy or you're selfish or, you know, whatever it may be. Like we all have different stories that we tell ourselves, but for me, it was always, um, lazy. Like I needed to be productive and, you know, I'll be completely honest that I still battle with that. Um, I, you know, (laughs) I've got it all. Um, but that's been such a growing edge for me in my life is like recognizing that, Hey, like your health issues, it doesn't necessarily need to be food that you need to change. Um, yes, I do think like eating a better, healthier diet does help with your adrenals. And there are certainly strategies for that. But 
for, for women like me and probably like you, you know, we may have been eating perfectly, um, working out just like everybody would expect us to. And so it's not food or it's not exercise. That's the solution. It's stress relief because your hormones can absolutely be connected completely to the way that you push yourself, um, when you really should be resting. And like, at least I mean, I feel like this is true the world over, but I don't know. I culturally in the United States, like absolutely we do this to ourselves. Like we push and push and you're seen as lazy if you're not like successful the way we define success, you know? And so, um, we tell ourselves that and our hormones suffer because fertility hormones, I don't know. I, I kind of think the, of them like they're very feminine. They're very soft and feminine energy and soft energy. It's strong energy. Like the feminine is not weak, but it is relaxed. It's graceful. Like it, it doesn't, it takes its time. It doesn't need to be like, ah, like I'm, you know, conquering the world. It's very much like the world comes to me. Um, and I think fertility is a lot like that. Like I feel that way with, with my son, it was like, you know, I mean, we did do IVF for him, but I didn't get pregnant through IVF until I finally had kind of let go of the outcome of the IVF and was sort of like, okay, like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't like, I'm truly okay with that. And then that's when it all started to like go well for me. So it's that control piece, you know, but anyway, we hold it. And a lot of times we hold it in our in our chest and our thyroid, which is right. It, it's the thermos yeah. of the master gland. And if the, the thyroid is like clenched, then everything mm-hmm. else, it doesn't have to be, you know, the, the thyroid can be totally normal, right? Quote, unquote, right. quotes, um, but and come comes out normal in, uh, in the labs, but it's still like, it energetically because we are our energetic creatures uh it can be stuck so we want to flow let things flow let things energy emotions everything that comes in we have to let them go out and i think definitely meditation is a great and you mentioned it in your in your journey and that was very important for me too uh in my journey i was on and off with with the meditation with my first pregnancy but once that happened I was my biggest goal was to be to meditate on a daily basis because it's like brushing my teeth my teeth I was like I I'm able capable of brushing my teeth every single day twice a day I think I'm going to be able to to meditate and it's not And it was a work, right? It was a work for me to understand, to have that acceptance of, I don't have to quiet my mind. I don't have to, you know, raise all these expectations about meditation. And I'm like, I'm bad at meditation. It's no (laughs) think of that. There is nothing like that. I I always talk with clients uh, and I ask them, have you ever tried meditation? Have you, you know, Oh, yes, I've tried it for two weeks and it didn't work. Well, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so yeah. it, it shouldn't be working if you're try, just trying for two weeks. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a practice. It's not an outcome. You're not, you shouldn't be expecting anything from a meditation. You should just use that moment to stand still, to leave your to-do list to leave your worries behind because, and living in the present, I think it is, that, that's one thing, living in the present and uh, checking in with yourself, especially when um, things are, you know, stressful, you're anxious, worried. So many things right now are going, are nuts. And we, you know, pray yeah. for, you know, and we, we think like, oh my God, what is going to happen? Where, what is going to happen? It's going to be like, a, a big hit or anything so it's it, it can pile up and but then we have to remember we have a family we have our own health we don't know what is going to happen tomorrow you know, we can get hit by a car and or the house can get on fire uh, get on fire or something and you're not going to even end up 
seeing what will be the outcome of all of this. So let's be present today because today it's the most important thing and we are safe, we are healthy and, you know, we live, right? We breathe, we we have our, um, our uh, friends and family together, our beloved ones. That's absolutely so critical. Um, that living in the present moment. And that that's definitely been something that I've worked on myself over the last several years, because I struggle with that. I, t- I used to be one of those people. And I, this is what, you know, I hear from clients a lot, this very expression, I'll be like, what about meditating? Like, have you tried meditating? And they're like, oh, I'm not good at meditating. Like I, I can't sit still enough for meditation. If, if that's you, like if you're listening to this and you're like, yep, that's me. Like anytime I try to meditate, like I get too fidgety and I just can't do it. You are a person who needs to meditate. That's the entire thing is like, if you can't calm yourself down, if you can't soothe, um, then that's what, that's what the practice of meditation teaches you. It teaches you to be still. Um, and that's what you need. So the last thing you need is to continue to be more <laughs> like more, fidgety and more like, and less still, because that's just like feeding into that energy. And I think for, for me, definitely. And for a lot of the clients that I work with, it's very important to have intentional time to be very present. And one of the ways that we do that best is by putting the phone away. Um, and especially with everything going on in the world, it's like, you can't escape the bad news anymore. Um, if you're on your phone. And and I don't believe in just burying your head in the sand and not knowing what's going on in the world around you. I think that's important too, but it can become too much very quickly. Yeah. And I, I, I do the same thing with my clients. And, uh, and I also, what else I add is that I first purposely, purposefully um, help them identify what is the best time slot in their day and maybe yeah. kind of kind of organize the day uh kind of like a, in a calendar you know when you have yeah. everybody uses their most of the most of the people use their phone calendar so kind of like putting time slots on like time blocking time blocking exactly time blocking um your tasks and finding that time to do that exact thing when is it either when do you need it or when do you have the time? Because if we just kind of throw it out there, just do this, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll do it later. At least this is how I am. I'm like, oh, I'll do it later. I'll have maybe later, maybe later, maybe later. And I actually have a client. I spoke yesterday with her and she was saying that uh, she's sometimes bad at eating because she puts food on the like the back burner because she still has work to do. And like, yeah, I'll, I'll get to it in a moment. What I finished this and then I finishes it. And then, and then instead of eating lunch at 12, 12, 12, 31, she eats at five 30. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. a dinner. That's not even lunch. Yeah. That's not lunch anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's not lunch anymore. And I know. So yeah. I was talking to a client about that yesterday. She's like, and if you're listening to this, I love you. But she's like, um, you know, she works from home. She's at her computer all day. She just doesn't think about eating. She'll eat like an apple at like two o'clock. And then she's like, but I have a big dinner and I fit all my veggies in at dinner. And I'm like, no, ma'am, you need to be eating, like at least put some protein with that apple. My goodness. Yeah. And or like, cause you were saying, and going back to the fertility hormones, they need food. We cannot, yes. and yes, and it's been so popular, and, and it feels like it's still popular. The intermittent intermittent fasting, yeah. but we we and all the research has been done on men, not on women. Yeah. We yeah. are complex. We cannot in fast do fasting for extended period of time any day of our cycle because we're gonna throw off our hormone, hormones yeah. and. If you want to fast, wait until you're post-menopause and then, you know, have fun with fasting if you want to, because it's great for your mitochondria and Mm -hmm. when you don't have cycling hormones anymore, I think you can tolerate it much better as long as your adrenals are okay. But when you are cycling and especially when you are trying to be fertile, like, no, I do not recommend 
fasting. And I think that that is such a, it's so frustrating because there is a lot of research about fasting that's positive. And so people are like, well, the research says it's good. But like you said, most of that research has been done on men. And, and even if the, the research is positive on women, which there may be some studies on that, like I believe in like type two diabetics and things like that, we're not looking at the long-term effect of it. You know, like anything can be great for if it's, if it's helping you lose weight, if it's helping bring down your cholesterol, like, yeah, it can be great for three months, six months, but once it starts burning out your adrenals, suddenly it's not so great anymore. And I think the same thing goes for like, um, really, really restrictive diets, like really restrictive, um, calorie, uh, deficits or, you know, ketogenic diets that are really intense, um, carnivore diets, like those things, they, if they're helping you lose weight at the beginning and you have weight to lose, there can be benefits that come out on your blood work in the beginning. But Mm -hmm. I used to do keto with people. And what I would find was that the first year their blood work looked great. They, they were starting to look much better. And then after that year passed, their cholesterol would start creeping up. They'd be dealing with constipation, like all of the, the hair loss, like all these things would start coming out because it's the long-term impact of that stuff. And when it comes to the adrenals and food, like I said earlier, I, I don't know that it's necessarily what you eat so much as when you eat for the mm-hmm. adrenals, like you need, I mean, protein for sure, but you need to be eating regular meals because your body needs to feel safe needs to be like, Hey, there's food coming. Like we're not starving. Um, otherwise why would it want to reproduce? You know? Well, I like this. And I like this perspective, this perspective of, um, yes, we have a clock. We have our eyes to see the sun and, you know, the sun is rising this morning. Sun is up all the, on top. It's midday. Sun is down, uh, west side. It's, um, sunset. But our body needs, especially the digestive system, goes by how and when we are eating. If and mm-hmm. also the microbiome as well, right? Mm-hmm. If the microbiome mm-hmm. doesn't have a clock, doesn't look at the sun, it's it's peach black there. Uh, <laughs> they know what time is it when you're eating. So if you're eating in the middle of the waking up in the middle of the night then the body, the microbiome is like, oh, it's already morning, probably, or something. Uh, And and there is so much connection between everything. And um, I don't, that's why people who who do shift work or who like work Mm -hmm. nights, they struggle a lot with, because there is, there is really good research on circadian rhythms and how you process food better at certain times of the day, especially like morning and, and early afternoon, like that's the best time to eat you know, carbohydrates and stuff like that. I mean, our bodies really do like run by the sun. And, um, and so when the sun is up, like we need to be eating. Exactly. Anyway, I cut you off. Tell us what you were going to say. That's exactly what I wanted to say. And the last, one other point is that your adrenals, like you said, in the morning need carbohydrates. Your progesterone needs carbohydrates. You cannot cut out carbs in your luteal phase because you're going to, you know, shoot down your progesterone, which is exactly what you need if you're trying to get pregnant, regardless, whenever it happens. So yes, carbs are not bad. It's just the type of the carbohydrates, right? We, that's what we want to work on. And that's why I try to um, kind of shift mindset with my clients. And it comes to everybody's like, oh yeah, I need to cut out sugar. I need to cut out this. And I need to cut out. Yes, we need to, you know, cut the sugar, but also all the other processed foods and all mm-hmm. the other things. And let's look, if you're um, craving something sweet in the, in the evening, then let's try it. Let's, it's normal, but let's add a sweet potato. Let's add some, uh, you know, low, low glycemic fruits, something that can help your body. Dark chocolate. Yeah, that's my favorite one. (laughs) But I mean, you know, I think you're speaking to something that that I see a lot too. And I think it ties back into that whole PCOS type A thing, which is that it seems like most people with PCOS tend to think about food from a punishment 
standpoint. They're like, how can I restrict myself into being healthier? What foods can I cut? How can I like, you know, basically punish myself for being the way that I am? (laughs) We have to get out of that mindset because the the mindset that's really going to help your fertility and is going to help your adrenals in your progesterone production, like you said, is thinking about how can I nourish my body? And so when you think about it from a nourishment perspective, how can I care for myself? Yeah, there's going to come an element like sometimes self-care is is hard. Sometimes it's making choices that we don't want to make, like, you know, not drinking Coke or whatever it may be, you know, like just not having sugar and, um, Sometimes it's about restricting things, but it's also about equally and probably more so about what we add to our diet um, rather than what we take away. And it's all about the mindset behind it, too. If the mindset's not in the right place, it doesn't go anywhere. So, yeah, and it only adds up. That's the worst thing um, from as a mother of a toddler. Yeah, I see the things that are they're still having been able to work on their yeah. and yes. again Thanks. like we were talking earlier about you know great being grateful for the journey that we've gone through and you know the tragedies and uh, the challenges is that I don't know if I could have been able to be the mother that I am today if I would have had that experience and that journey and those lessons because mm-hmm. I had to work with my mindset a lot. That's mm-hmm. one of the big things that I was, uh, uh, was the lesson is the mindset, expectations and accept and acceptance. So yeah. And even now I feel like like things add up and don't, mm-hmm. I, I want to be more, I have to it, it, be more effective, efficient or productive or this and that. And I'm like, get up, get yeah. up. Get out of that state and be mindful, be with that child because, you know, yes, a lot of women, they are pregnant with their PC, the happy CUS or other hormonal imbalances. Um, a lot of women have successful pregnancies with all that, no issue. But if you haven't de- dealt with everything that have, you've accumulated throughout your years, when you will have a child, you will never have time to work on that. Because you yeah. have a child so to grow, to raise, and it, it's not like a, a, a three-month thing, and then it's mm-hmm. going to be gone. It's a long time. Even if you you go back to work and you take the child to daycare, uh, you don't have you know the luxury of staying with home with your child, you'll still not have your time to discover yourself, to work on your things. So that's why it's so yeah. important to work on yourself and mental health emotional and everything else outside of that if we were you know tired so it it's so important yeah and like you said I mean once you have once you have a child suddenly you never have a minute not even a second of your life where you're not also worrying about somebody else beside yourself I didn't really fully understand that until I like actually had my son, you know, people would say that to me and I'm like, okay, but you can't comprehend it until it's there in front of you that like, you know, it never ends. It never stops. Like you don't stop being a mom when you put them to bed. You don't stop being a mom when they take a nap. Like you're always thinking about them. So suddenly you have this other thing on your plate. And if you haven't already got good systems in place for for managing your own stress and for, you know, even just like living a a lifestyle that is, um, that is healthier, you don't have to be perfect. You know, I mean, I, I go to Chick-fil-A sometimes, but it's like, nothing bad. there's nothing bad about that. It's just, it's the fact that the majority of my life is centered around, you know, feeding. I want my son to be, I really want my son to enjoy food. I don't want him to feel like any foods are bad. I don't want him to feel like any foods are like, um, wrong for eating because I carry a lot of shame about food Mm -hmm. from being, you know, from being overweight as a kid and kind of like this mindset of like food makes me for lack of a better term, food makes me fat. Um, 
And I don't want him to have that. So we are, I think we've been talking for about an hour. So we should probably wrap it up. Um, we could this talk. is a great I know. I would love to have you on the podcast again if you ever would be open to that. I think that would be Absolutely. fabulous. Um, and uh, why don't you tell us? Because I know you have an ebook, right? And it, you do coaching as well. So yes. tell us a little bit about like what you what you offer to people and and how they can find out more about you. Yes. Uh, so uh, I do offer one on one coaching uh, with my clients. Uh, this goes in deep dive into all diet and lifestyle uh, and habit changes in order to prepare the body, to prepare the hormones, to prepare the egg, uh, obviously depending on stage of the uh, age stage or whatever. I do work a lot with women in their 30s um, who want to optimize their uh, their egg quality, but not in particular. I also work with uh, women with PCOS because I have this history with it. And um, it, we work specifically just me, myself and her and her on everything that goes into her life um, and work a lot of this part of mindset. Um, it's not sexy to talk about because it doesn't feel like, oh, it, you know, when you're just beginning of it, it doesn't feel like has any relations to uh, to getting pregnant, but it does, uh, you know, and everything else that connects to overall health, like exposure to environmental toxins and endocrine disruptors, um, stress, sleep, uh, movement, and also relationships and how are those, how stable they are. So I work on all these pillars of health and we work on each one of them in order to kind of create a wholeness a, a balance between all of them because when that balance comes in that's when fertility comes in when a healthy baby comes in a healthy postpartum comes in so all of that comes together um, and the other part if somebody just not ready yet to work one-on-one, -on -one, but I still want to get the information first and learn how to track their cycles, how to eat better, have kind of like a, a big picture idea, some recipes, um, other things to help improve and balance their hormones. I have this ebook. It's called Boost Your Fertility Now. It's available on my website. And the website is yourfertilitycoachdora.com. Um, pretty simple. Um, yeah, it, I think it's, it's a great handbook with, like I said, I think the recipes are delicious and very suitable for everybody from vegetarians to people who eat all sorts of a variety of meats and smoothies and everything, everything that you want. Um, and then, yeah. And the, I think it's it's just a, a great resource, especially for like I said, for somebody who wants to start but they're not ready to invest into one-on-one -on -one coaching, but they want to get that information from me instead of like you know scrolling on Instagram and you know taking piecing it together and stuff. Yeah, because on Instagram I cannot say you know what I write in a uh, in an ebook. I just, we just talk about one tiny small piece, um, kind of. So yeah. Yeah, that's my, that's one of my big frustrations with, with the work that I do on, on social media is that I want to give out all the information, but there, in some ways you can't simplify this stuff down into a 60 second clip or one Instagram post or something. And so, you know, it, it's a struggle to convey the information. And sometimes people get frustrated because they're like, you know, when are you going to get to like the meat of it? And I'm like, well, it's all the meat of it. Like you have to understand the big picture before you can understand like the little pieces. Um, at least that's the way my mind thinks. So yeah. I love something like an ebook where, you know, they can get it all in one place. And then, um, you know, if you can work with her, I can tell she's an excellent coach. So I, I, um, am very I excited <laughs> that she exists 
Um, and hopefully some of you will, will end up working with her, but thank you so much for being here. Um, and thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you inviting me here and, uh, you know, sharing the space and, um, you know, being my social friend, social media friend. <laughs> virtual. I know. And now you're, now you're in Texas. So we're Texas friends. We're only, only like five and a half hours apart. That's the yeah. thing about Texas, but, um, Hopefully we'll get to meet sometime in person. That would be so fun. That'll yeah, be it. Okay. Thank you for being here today. I'm going to stop recording now. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.